2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which ye have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. We're grateful for your presence tonight. We're thankful for the opportunity to meet together again. We trust that our time together tonight will be beneficial, that we will be encouraged as we strive to live the Christian life by our association with one another as well as our worship to God. Tonight we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be looking at some verses in chapter 1 as well as in chapter 3. And before we, before we do that, I do want to make this statement. We want to welcome the Foster family into our midst. We're, grace, we're grateful to have them with us, and we're very thankful for all of those who have come and joined hands with us, and we pray that the work of the church here might be benefited by their presence and that we might mutually edify them in their desire to serve the Lord. Tonight we want to think about a home built on the Lord. And really there are two options in life. You and I, we can build our homes on the Lord or we can build them on the world. Hopefully and prayerfully, we're striving to the best of our ability to build our homes on the Lord Jesus Christ. In looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1, we have a passage that brings to mind the blessings of building our homes on the Lord. Look, if you would, at what Paul records beginning in verse 3 of chapter 1. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. As without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Several things I want us to think about tonight. The first has to do with the foundation of faith. Now, Paul was writing to Timothy. And Timothy, as you know, is called by Paul his own son in the faith. Back in chapter 1 of his first letter to Timothy, Timothy had a godly family. His mother and grandmother were of Jewish descent. His father was of Grecian origin, based on Acts chapter 15 at verse 1. But Paul, in writing to Timothy, recalls the genuine or unfeigned faith that dwelt first in his grandmother, and then he said, in his own mother. And then he goes on to say, and am persuaded that it is in you also. And so we think about three generations that have been impacted for the Lord. I want to suggest tonight in our study that blessed homes are built on the Lord. The psalmist in Psalm 127 at verse 1 said, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. There are a lot of people in our world today that are trying to, to build a home on any and everything but the Lord. And ultimately, that kind of, of mindset is futile. 
And so what we want to do is emphasize the importance of building our homes on God and his word. I think about what Jesus said over in Matthew chapter 7 when he talked about the importance of hearing his word and doing it. He said, whoever hears my word and does it is like unto a wise man that built his house upon the sand, or rather upon the rock. He said, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. What we want to do, what we want to encourage is people to build their homes on that solid rock that we call Christ and his word. Now, as we think about the foundation of Timothy's faith, no doubt that foundation or origin was traced back to his family members. And ultimately, the Apostle Paul had a part in his conversion to the cause of Christ. But there have been others in the Bible that we can read about who sought to lay a proper foundation for their home. Let me give you two other examples. First of all, I think about Joshua. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, Joshua, you recall, was a successor to Moses. And Moses had been the great lawgiver and leader of ancient Israel. Joshua was called upon to lead the people of God into the promised land. And Joshua was a great and faithful man. But in chapter 24, verse 15, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Wouldn't it be great if every father today had that kind of mentality? Wouldn't it be wonderful if every father chose to be a spiritual leader in the home and ultimately set the tone in the home along the same lines and simply made the statement, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You and I, we may not have a lot of influence in the lives of other people. Hopefully and prayerfully, we do. But there's only so much that we can do by way of our influence in the lives of other people. But there's one thing that we can do, and that is we can make sure that our homes are founded on the Lord. And so we want to do everything that we can to build our homes on the Lord. And then also another example would be Hannah. In 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2, we read about the prayers of Hannah. Hannah wanted a son, and she prayed diligently to Almighty God for a child. And in verses 27 and 28 of chapter 1, she said, For this child I prayed, and God granted the petitions that I have asked of him. She went on to say, As long as this child lives... He will be granted or given to the Lord. Now we talk about godly mothers and godly parents. Here was a godly mother. And her desire was to, to give her son Samuel into the service of Almighty God. And you can read about the life of Samuel by reading the Old Testament. Let me give you a couple of passages of Scripture that I think help to underscore the godliness of Samuel. In chapter 2, we read about his growth. And in, in chapter 2, the Bible says that he grew in stature, in favor both with the Lord and men. But there are some other verses that precede that, that underscore the service that this young child offered unto God. In chapter 2, the Bible says that Samuel 
ministered to the Lord even as a child. Sometimes I think we sell our young people short, and sometimes maybe we don't give them the credit that they're due in terms of what they have to offer the Lord. Here was a godly mother that prayed for a child. She prayed for this child Samuel. God granted her her prayer. As a result of that, she said, listen, I'm going to give this child in service to God. And about three times in chapter 2, the Bible speaks of Samuel ministering to the Lord or ministering before the Lord. And I think it's noteworthy that the Bible underscores this idea that he served or ministered before the Lord even as a child. And so you and I today, we talk about the foundation or origination of faith. When you look at the life of Timothy, you see that he had godly, that he had a, a godly lineage. His mother and grandmother, good and godly women. And then also we think about, as I said a moment ago, the life of Joshua and Hannah and her, her child, Samuel, and how they, how they sought to live for the Lord. There is a second thing I want you to, to note with me, if you would, as we look at 2 Timothy. We think about the foundation of his faith, but also we read about the formation of his faith. Now turn over, if you would, to chapter 3. In chapter 3 at verse 15, here's what Paul said concerning Timothy. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, in the New King James Version, and I think in the New American Standard Version, the word childhood is employed. In the Old King James Version, the word babe is used. And really, the word in the original is brephos. And it denotes anything from a baby to an infant. Uh, it underscores a child in the womb or out of the womb. I'm not sure how old Timothy was when he began to be schooled by his mother and grandmother. But I know this. At a very early age, they began instructing him in the truths of Almighty God. Now, we could ask the question, when did his training begin? Well, the Bible says it began in childhood. Think about how important it is for us to lay a foundation in the lives of our children. When is the best time to begin teaching our young people when they're very young? I think about the importance of teaching our children when they're just toddlers. I can remember many years ago when Braden was just a baby, maybe three, four months of age. We took him to a cradle roll class, and sometimes people ask, well, how could a child learn when when he or she is three or four months old. Well, I know this. The ladies who teach those children, number one, they have a lot of patience because sometimes those children will scream and cry for their parents. But they'll sing songs and, and they, will, they will try to acquaint them with this book that we call the Bible. I, I can vividly recall, I think it was my mother-in-law who taught youngsters of that age and they had this little saying, patch your Bible. Well, what are they doing? They're, they're laying a foundation 
but they're teaching and instructing them. And as, as a toddler, one of the best ways to do that is by song or by singing. And then as they begin to grow, what do we do? Well, we begin to, to verbally teach them concepts from what? From Scripture. Well, in looking at Timothy, the Bible says that from childhood, that from infancy, they had made him knowledgeable in the Word of God. Now, you can go back to Deuteronomy in chapter 4, and you can read of Moses legislating this idea before the children of Israel. They were to teach their children diligently in the law of God. Now, if we wait until our children re reach the teenage years, it may very well be the case that we'll lose them. Now, I'm not saying that that's a hard and fast rule. But what we want to do is lay a foundation and lay it as early as possible. That's why it's important as parents for us to begin this training process, this teaching process in childhood. That's one of the reasons it's so important to be at worship on a regular basis, to be in Bible study. And as parents, we have the opportunity to take the lead in that. And think about this. The times that we miss, whether it be worship or Bible study, corporately or when we miss those opportunities in the home, those opportunities are gone forevermore. We can't go back and recapture them. And that's why it's so important for us to take advantage of the time that we have with our children. Now, we ask the question, when did, when did Timothy's training begin? Well, it began in childhood. But here's the second question. What was his training in? Well, look again at chapter 3, verse 15. Paul said, and that from childhood you have known what? The Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. How important are the Scriptures? Well, just read on. Look at verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. One of the things that we want to impress upon our young people, we want to impress upon our homes is the fact that the Word of God is profitable. It will bless your life. I can promise you that. If you choose to ignore this book, if you choose to ignore the pages of the Bible, well, you're going to pay a heavy price. And not only are you going to pay a heavy price, but your children will one day reap some very sad consequences. But Paul said all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete. You want your children to be, to be complete, to be whole in life? You want them to be satisfied, to understand what the purpose of life is all about? Let me tell you how the best way to do that. Teach them the Bible. Teach them what this book has to say. Now, a lot of times we put a lot of emphasis on secular education. There's nothing wrong with secular education. Many of us have benefited from, from education in secular schools. But if we fail to teach our children the Bible, I assure you we will pay a heavy price. And so what we want to do is make sure that we that we school, that we instruct them 
in the pages of the Bible. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 at verse 4. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What is my responsibility as a parent? What is your responsibility as a parent? It is to teach your children the truth of Almighty God. To invest in their lives. Now there are a lot of people that have spent a lot of money sending their children to school. I think about the money that you can spend just getting a secular education in today's market. Let me tell you, the best investment you can make is to teach your children what the Bible has to say. They will be blessed immensely, and so will you. Now, there is a third thing that I think we see in looking to the life of Timothy. We talk about the foundation of his faith or the formation of his faith, and really we're stressing the orientation to his faith or the orientation being ori- orientated, orientated to the faith of Almighty God. Somebody has to take the, take the time to teach, to instruct. And let me just pause here and make this observation. If you have or if you had godly parents, I would encourage you to get down on your knees and thank Almighty God. If you have Christian parents or if you had Christian parents, you ought to get down on your knees tonight and thank Almighty God. There are a lot of people in our world today, they have not been blessed as we have. They have not benefited from a Christian home. And you can look at their lives and you can tell. I see the chaos that exists in our world today. And I see some of the problems that that young people are facing. Sexual immorality. Alcoholism. Drug abuse. Pornography. Theft. Disobedience. I mean, the list can go on and on. And yet Christian parents can help put, they can help put their children on the right track. And you and I as mothers and fathers, we have the opportunity to put our children on the proper path for life. But number three, let's think about the fortification of his faith. We talk about the foundation of his faith, the formation of his faith, but also the fortification of his faith. There were some obligations entrusted into the hands of Timothy. Now, Timothy is called by Paul, as I said a moment ago, Paul's own son in the faith. But there were some, there were some very important things that, that Paul instructed Timothy to do in this life. Number one, Paul said, you need to be strong and faithful doctrinally. What is it that you and I as parents want for our children? We want our children to maintain faithfulness to the Word of God. And by that I simply mean we want them to follow New Testament Christianity. Now look at what Paul wrote in verse 13. Hold fast the form or pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. 
Sound doctrine is simply healthy doctrine. It is that teaching that comes from a divine source, and that divine source is Almighty God. We want our children to stay true to the, we want them to stay true to the Bible. Back in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul said, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine and continue in them. For in so doing, he said, you'll save both yourself and them that hear you. Was Paul interested in what Timothy believed and what he practiced? You better believe he was. Now, I want to just report to you that I've known folks in days gone by that have been brought up in Christian homes. And they're not faithful today. I've seen individuals that have left the church. I've seen, I've seen young people that have been brought up in the church of Christ. And you know where they are today? Some of them are in denominations. Some of them are not, in, not attending anywhere. It is imperative that we teach our young people to stay true to the Word of God. In 2 John verse 9, John said, Whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, listen to him, hath not God. If I leave the doctrine, the teaching of our Lord, if I turn a deaf ear to New Testament Christianity, then ultimately my relationship with God the Father is going to be impeded. It's going to be impacted. It's going to be severed. That's what John said in 2 John 9. That's why it's so important for us to teach our children to stay true to the Bible. Now, I like many of you have probably, we've, we probably have all known people that have been brought up in Christian homes. And let me just make this statement in connection with what we're talking about. If as a Christian parent, you did everything you knew to do in rearing your children in the Lord, and you did your dead level best, and your children are not faithful today, my encouragement to you, do not beat yourself up. It's not your fault. And the reason I say that is because what we have to understand is that every person is accountable to God. And our children will ultimately move out and live on their own. Now, when they're in the home, when they're under, under our roof, then we can tell them what to do and we can teach them and instruct them and lead them as we see fit. But once they leave home, they're not under our superintendence any longer. They're not under the laws, so to speak, of our home. They are free moral agents. They have the ability, just like we do, to make choices. Sometimes they're going to make good choices. Sometimes they're going to make incorrect choices. But ultimately... They have to stand on their own, and they will have to give an account to God. And so if you've done what God has asked you to do, and your children are not faithful to God, my encouragement to you, do not beat yourself up. And there are a lot of parents in our world today, in the church, 
They did their best. They tried to rear their children in the Lord. They tried to teach and instruct them about what God's Word has to say. And their children, once they left home, they went out into the world, and now they're not faithful. Well, whose fault is that? It's not your fault. Not if you did your best. Not if you did what the Lord asked of you. Now, having said that, what is it we want for our children? We want to see them stay faithful to the Lord. Look at, look at the life of Timothy. Three generations of people who served the Lord. His grandmother, his mother, and now Paul is saying, listen, you're serving the Lord. Wouldn't it be great if all of us could look back at our family tree and say, you know what, my grandmother served the Lord, my great-grandmother served the Lord, my mother served the Lord, I'm serving the Lord, my parents served the Lord. The problem is, sometimes as parents, we didn't do our job in the home. And because we failed, in teaching and instructing our children, they're not faithful today. If I were to ask you, what's the most important thing in your life? What would you say? If I could ask you, what are if you, if you were to just list out three things most important to you, what would they be? Let me tell you what ought to be at the top of the list. The top of the list ought to be your faith in the Lord, your service to Almighty God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, verse 33. Our ultimate goal, our desire ought to be to go to heaven. But then right up under that ought to be a desire to see our children one day in heaven. Now let me tell you, it breaks my heart to think that that my son would not be in heaven because of my lack of influence or because of my failure to teach him what the Bible says. We only have our children for a very limited amount of time. And what we want to do is instruct and teach them so that one day they can go out into this world and they can live faithfully to Almighty God and one day go home to be with Him in heaven. If they miss that, if we miss that, let me tell you, we are an absolute, complete failure. Now, again, I preface that by saying if you did your job in the home and your children later on make the decision to leave the Lord, well, you did what God asked you to do. But I'm talking about people who shirked their responsibility. It's important that we stress to our children the doctrine of Jesus Christ. How knowledgeable are our children when it comes to the church that we read about in the New Testament? Do our children know that the Bible says there's just one church? That's what the doctrine of Christ teaches. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. There's just one head in the church of Christ, and that's the Lord Himself, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. There, there's only one way to get into Christ, and that's to be baptized into Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. 
There's only one way to worship God, and that's to worship Him in spirit and truth. John 4, verse 24. There are a lot of things that we could add to that list, but the point is, we want to impress upon our children the importance of staying true to the doctrine of Christ. But there's a second thing that Paul stressed. Not just doctrine, but duty. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, at verse 12, Paul said, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Paul is telling Timothy, and Timothy's a young man. He's saying, Timothy, I want you to be a model of New Testament Christianity before others. I want you to show the world what it means to be a New Testament Christian. That's your duty. Over in chapter 6, he would say, fight the good fight of faith. That's your duty. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's your duty. In chapter 4, preach the word. That's your duty. Staying true to the Lord. What is it we want for our children? We want them to be faithful to the doctrine of Christ and we want them to feel a sense of duty to the Lord. We want them to to carry on the faith, to pass it on to future generations. That's why when Paul wrote to Timothy, look at chapter 2, verse 2. The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's what we want to do. We want to instill in our children a sense of duty so that one day they can pass this faith on to other people. Now in closing, let me ask this question. Is your home built on the Lord Jesus Christ? If the Lord were to to survey your home, just like He surveyed the seven churches of Asia, recorded by John in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And he were to analyze what's going on within the framework of your home. What would his assessment be? Would he say, you know what? That's a home founded on right principles, on righteousness. Or would the Lord be disappointed? Would the Lord say, you know what? You've got some work to do. You need to make some changes. All of us have the responsibility to give our very best to God. As parents, we want to give our best to God. We want to give our best to our children. It begins by teaching, instructing them. It begins by ultimately laying the right foundation, building our home on the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. Maybe as a father. You've never obeyed the gospel. If that's the case, you can't be the kind of example. You need to be in the home. Why not begin tonight by obeying the gospel? Why not do what they did on Pentecost Day when Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. When you do that, every sin will be washed away. Acts 22, 16. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you're not faithful to the Lord. Maybe your home life's not what it should be. Maybe maybe you realize that there are some inadequacies in your home and you want to try to set, set things aright. What do you need to do? Well, the Bible says confess 
your faults one to another, pray one for another. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. And the assurance is God will abundantly pardon. Would you come as we stand and sing?